1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us. We've got another great program, as always. Uh, Thank you so much for liking the Spirit of Recovery page, liking us on Facebook, and thanks for sending your emails and for letting me know what's happening for you in your recovery and spirituality journey. It's great to hear from you, and it's great to know that what we're doing is making a difference uh, for you and your life. It's opening you up to some new ideas. Uh, inspiring you and uh, creating some new thoughts for you about recovery and, and uh, expanding and deepening your recovery. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your Unity community know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. Our guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And we're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer or your smartphone. You can listen to the archive programs. We've got lots of great programs that you can listen to on demand, again, on your smartphone or on your computer Go to www.unityonlineradio.org/program/spirit-of-recovery, and you'll find several years' worth of great programming. Know also that if you'd like to financially support unityonlineradio.org, you can do that. That helps to support programs like this one, Spirit of Recovery, and the many other great topics that UnityOnlineRadio.org broadcasts. Go to uh, simply text via your smartphone, Unity Radio to 72727 and you can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution and that's much appreciated. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone that's got the disease of addiction, maybe you are in your recovery as a family member or friend or maybe not. Maybe your friend or family member is or isn't in recovery. Um, whatever. We are glad you're here, glad you're listening, and I know, again, that our guests are going to be inspiring you and um, giving you some great information. Also, you're welcome if you're just interested, curious about what recovery is all about, what spirituality is about. We're glad you're here. Uh, glad you're listening. You're welcome to participate. If you've got a comment or a question, you can email it in. You can uh, phone it in, and uh, we'll turn that over to the guest. And, and, again, just welcome your participation here in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction, and over 33 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that walk keeps transforming my life, keeps me growing in ever deeper ways, so I am Very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery and spirituality with you and also to hear what you're um, experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Our topic today is Young People in Recovery, Creating Recovery-Ready Communities. You know, young people that are in recovery or who are seeking recovery really face some strong cultural headwinds, whether they are young adults that are out in the workforce or whether they're seeking um, some uh, higher education or some uh, education beyond high school or even those that are in high school. Um, as you might imagine, the cultural climate is not really uh, conducive to recovery. So they face some headwinds. But... Um, Young People in Recovery, the organization YPR, is addressing that and doing some amazing things. Uh, YPR, Young People in Recovery, is a grassroots advocacy organization, and it is focused on creating a national network of young people in recovery. And today, my guest is Justin Luke Riley. He's the president and CEO and a founding member of YPR, Justin is 27 years old, and he has been in long-term recovery now for seven years. Justin is a natural leader and a gifted public speaker. He's been featured in USA Today and MTV Act for his involvement in youth leadership and community engagement. And part of that includes uh, serving on the executive board for several years of Faces and Voices of Recovery. And Justin's going to be sharing with us today just how... Uh, YPR empowers young people to take charge of their futures and um, what they're doing. It's it's just incredible, and you can learn more about um, YPR if you go to youngpeopleinrecovery.org, and and you'll find lots of resources there, and and you'll also find links to some other great things. So, Justin, welcome to Spirit of Recovery.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a huge honor. I hear great things about your show, and. Uh, so respect your leadership and your vision and your mission for everything that you're doing to continue to lift up uh, amazing organizations like Young People in Recovery and the many other great ones out there. So I'm excited to be on the show today, and uh, it's a huge honor, and I'm excited. So thank you again.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. God. Really glad that you're here. Um, Justin I know that you've obviously you're in long term recovery for seven years, and you've also been involved in um, lots of other ways in the uh, recovery movement with young people. so give us a, a context for this what's Tell us a little bit about the history of uh, young people in recovery and by this i don 't necessarily mean the organization, but just the kind of what's the backstory? About younger people entering recovery, and sort of where does what the work you're doing and, and all where does all that come from? Give us a context.
2: Yes, of course. Uh, one of the things that uh, I always uh, bring to the forefront of one of these conversations is that um, young people can and do recover. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the first things right out of the gate that uh, not a lot of people know at least I didn't know. I mean when I was um, not talking about the organization, young people in recovery, but when I was A even younger person who was in recovery, um, one of the things that was so encouraging and empowering and gave me so much hope is when I realized that there were actually young people all around the country that were also in recovery. Uh, And where I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time, I didn't necessarily know that there were a lot of other younger people. I mean, it was kind of the norm that there were people that were uh, several decades older than me, and they were um, so helpful, and they had so much wisdom to share, of course, uh, but it was just empowering just to know that, that young people can and do recover. Uh, and I think that's one thing that I always try to bring up is that, uh, yes, there's um, certainly so much work to be done, and whether it's our organization or many organizations out there helping young people, uh, I always really try to bring to the forefront that recovery recovery happens. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something that uh, I know in my experience and many other young people's experience that I've worked with is that even knowing that uh, there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of hope knowing that. Uh, in a world where we can accept that there's a lot of things, especially as it relates to substance use disorder recovery and um, things like addiction, that, um, that that there is a lot of hope because a lot of people do get well. So that's something I certainly always bring to the table at the front.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's really, really important because uh, that is a, a a really key perspective because, as you say, yeah. for a lot of reasons, people don't they don't see that necessarily, so yeah. yeah. So it's really yeah. important to bring that up. So, mm-hmm. what's your history in terms of the organization YPR and and also the history of that organization? How did what? How did it all get rolling? And your founding members. So you're there at the beginning, yeah, I guess. Yeah.
2: So um, first, a huge um, you know shout out and thank you to all of our chapter leaders and volunteers um, and everybody that makes. Uh, young people in every organization happen. It certainly isn't just me. We have an amazing team and an amazing board and so many phenomenal donors that really make this a reality. And uh, that reality really started to begin uh, with an idea back in uh, 2010 when uh, where I met some of these other young people who I'd never met before. I was at a conference actually in Baltimore. And I noticed a, a group of young people similar to my age, and they were really happy. And they didn't come in on a, on a white van together, and they all seemed to come from all different parts of the country. Um, they were really involved in, in this conference, and some of them also spoke about different recovery pathways that they were a part of around the country. And uh, those of us that were there that evening met later and said, well, you know, we don't really know what it would look like, but, you know, it, it seems like we have something special here in, in our recovery and in our lives. And maybe there's, uh, maybe there's something to just getting the word out that people do recover, and furthermore, uh, helping people that are trying to recover, whether it's in middle schools or high schools or college campuses, maybe there's something that we can do. And so really, uh, the Young People in Recovery as an organization, YPR, really came out of uh, really trying to address a need by trying to bring a solution to the need that was out there that there aren't enough recovery supports in communities that there shouldn't be only a select few of us that got to meet one another in Baltimore that really there should be uh, many many more people at this table and people have uh, should have better access to whether it's uh, employment services or housing services or educational opportunities or even just the very beginning of maybe they should have better access to treatment so they could you know really start that journey and so it all started back in 2010 uh, when a group of us just uh, continued to volunteer for uh, several years in a row, and, and eventually some great things happened, and uh, board and staff and people followed, and uh, here we are today, you know, which is to mm-hmm. me where we are today is very different than where we started, and we're very fortunate for that.
0: Right, yeah, that's that's really fantastic. And I'm going to, and I, you were on the board of uh, Faces and Voices of Recovery, which is still going yeah. strong. So. Could you tell us a little bit a little bit about that and and is there or not a connection between that and YPR? and I really don't know I'm asking I know a little bit about faces and voices or but anyway, is there a connection or a thought stream that connects you or or not?
2: Well, I mean I certainly I can speak for myself personally for a moment. Uh, I mean I certainly wouldn't be here without uh, the great work at the foundation uh, of the recovery movement that faces and voices late and all of their founding members and board members and the people that are still part of that uh, great organization today, um, I would be here. You know, I was, mm-hmm. uh, there, there was even a time where there was more of a relationship there in one of uh, the iterations of YPR as an organization, our leadership and our structure. There was a time where they um, directly helped uh, support what young people in recovery the organization wanted to do. And mm-hmm. uh, then as we continued to grow and become more and more sustainable, we didn't need to have that direct relationship to them But I can tell you all around the country still to this day, we have a lot of different chapters that work with a lot of Faces and Voices constituency. Uh, The way that they organize themselves is through what they call ARCO, which is the Association of Recovery Community Organizations. And uh, without Faces and Voices, uh, there's about 100 organizations that wouldn't exist today. And a lot of our chapters support the work of those organizations that um, you know, we uh, we're even working on a project now with faces and voices and I saw them in DC not too long ago. So we get to see one another out in the community serving one uh serving different uh people who are in or seeking recovery all the time.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love seeing all that networking going on. And yeah. let me ask you, I think it this would be a good point to maybe clarify for our uh listeners here sort of a distinction between I guess what I'll call like one per, a per an individual's personal recovery path, which might mm-hmm. can, again, there are variations of that, and what the work of YPR or something like Faces and Voices or the other uh, organizations you mentioned do. So, could you make a distinction for us between one's personal recovery and support and what YPR does, for example?
2: Certainly. Well, uh, I can speak on certainly on behalf of uh, YPR and uh, I also know that Faces and Voices and other organizations um, do support many pathways, so they're a very specific right. pathway for an individual. But uh, for mm-hmm. me, one of, the, one of the big components of my personal recovery pathway um, is, you know, is my faith. You know, and mm-hmm. my faith really translates into uh, going to church and to small groups and being a part of um, different leadership and mentorship relationships. And for me, that's a big part of my recovery pathway along with uh, other fellowships for different recovery communities. Uh, I know also for me, uh, as I try to get back into it, you know, exercise and overall physical health is something that really just helps my recovery pathway. And uh, YPR's role isn't to dictate what my pathway should or could be, but it's to support whatever that pathway may be, Um, whether, again, that's an absence-based pathway or smart recovery or harm reduction or, um, you know, programs that are primarily focused on faith-based principles, whatever those pathways are, YFR isn't here to pick and choose or to rate uh, what one is better or worse or anything. We're just here to support. So whatever you're doing uh, that supports your recovery journey, our organization is here uh, to promote that and to support that and to let other people know that there are indeed multiple ways to recover, which is something I didn't know for a very long time, you know? Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. So would a person, uh, again, there's lots of I'll just, you know, ways that people can have the disease of addiction. Uh-huh. So if a person is experiencing maybe it's a addiction to alcohol or maybe it's addiction to other uh-huh. drugs or maybe it's addiction to eating or to gambling or um, to a uh, sex addiction, does YPR, uh, would that be a support for all those people? Again, primary path recovery, they're doing whatever they're doing, but would YPR address or, or support people in all those kinds of different um, recoveries?
2: Absolutely. Uh, we, again, whether uh, we certainly don't uh, advertise, as it were, to be uh, experts at any one pathway or, or to uh, speak to one pathway over another or a primary pathway and secondary pathway or diagnosis issues and things like that. We're really going mm-hmm. sort to of just continue to support what they're doing. And so, uh, to answer very concretely, uh, our chapters and members and supporters and our scope of influence, the people that our chapters and programs interact with and um, uh, come across, Ah, uh, due range of all all of those different variations that you just spoke of uh, mm-hmm. on members and supporters and people that believe in YPR. Um some of them fit the bill for all of those, and some of them don't. You know, we also have a a huge trend in people who uh, wouldn't even uh, say that they have a recovery pathway. Like they're not in recovery from 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 really anything uh, from their mm-hmm. own de- delineation and determination, but they do support the recovery movement, right? They support, mm-hmm young people in recovery in our work and Faces and Voices and all of those RCOs, the recovery community organizations or then other national organizations like the Association of Recovery Schools or Transforming Youth Recovery who work with college students. So uh, we have uh, people like, uh, I pick up my mom all the time because I can talk about my mom. She's okay with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> my mom uh, is not in recovery uh, but she wants the support, right? And she's not going to like lead a YPR chapter and she's mm-hmm. also not going to uh, start her own recovery nonprofit. So where does she fit? Like, how, how can she say, Hey, I support the whole movement and I'm, you know, how do I reduce stigma? And how do I say that, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that I have a family member who's in recovery or that I just get it. And so, uh, we call, we call people like that, um, YPR supporters. They just support what we're doing. If that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: It's time for our break. Um, Thanks so much, Justin, for what you sharing with us. Of Our topic Thank today, you. yeah, we're as uh, young people in recovery creating recovery ready communities. My guest is Justin Luke Riley. He's the president and CEO and a founding member of the organization Young People in Recovery. And uh, we're going on break. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics
1: Now available, YouPray, the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With YouPray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With YouPray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. YouPray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free YouPray app and links to download, Visit SilentUnity.org slash app. That's SilentUnity.org slash app.
0: the Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Our topic today is Young People in Recovery, Creating Recovery-Ready Communities, and my guest is Justin Luke Riley. Justin is the President and CEO and a founding member of Young People in Recovery, or that's YPR. You can learn about uh, YPR by going to their website, youngpeopleinrecovery.org. Justin is 27 years old, and he's been in long-term recovery for seven years. He is a natural leader and a gifted public speaker. He's been featured in USA Today and MTV Act for his involvement in youth leadership and community engagement. Uh, Justin has served as a youth pastor in his church. He's very uh, engaged with his faith, and he has also served as a prolific leader in recovery on the executive board uh, for Faces and Voices of Recovery. He um, has uh, also the president of the board of directors for advocates for recovery and serves in lots of other capacities. Um, and he has also extensive personal and professional experience in the mental health recovery space. And um, he is uh, married to the woman of his dreams, Rachel, and I believe they just have a pretty new baby. So um, he's got lots on his plate and he's, he's a wonderful guy and in wonderful service uh, to the recovery community. Before we get back to our discussion, I'd like to invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, a moment of meditation, a moment to relax, to uh, open up our minds and hearts to that conscious contact with our higher power. So I do invite you to do that with me now in the Serenity Minute. Become aware of your breath and allow yourself to relax. And share with me this constructive idea. There are many supportive resources for me. Resources that help me in my recovery. My higher power guides me to them with wisdom. There are many resources that are available to me to support my recovery. And my higher power guides me to them with wisdom. And now we take a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that it was a, an opportunity for you to relax and to make that conscious contact with your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Justin Luke Riley, President, CEO, and founding member of the organization Young People in Recovery. So um, Justin, before the break, you were uh, telling us some things about how the YPR got started and how it's connected to some other great organizations that do support uh, recovery for people. So tell us a little more detail about YPR, how you're organized, I know you've got chapters and so forth in different places, and exactly what YPR does, how it can be a support for people, how it does support people.
2: Of course, thank you, and uh, thank you again for having me uh, on the show, it's been uh, great so far. I appreciate it. So um, YPR specifically, right? So here's what gets here's mm-hmm. really exciting. You, you may have to cut me off to warn you because we're doing a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> so, one of, uh, so our primary goal, right, one of the things that we really live and uh, breathe for is advocacy and action. So right now we have 36 chapters that really embody that statement. All of our chapters are advocating for different things that I'll get into here in a moment and all of them are taking action in different areas as well. And so, again, we've got about 36 different chapters. I actually just received another email from AJ, our vice president. Uh, He's interviewing 15 more chapters just this month. And so our chapters are growing by leaps and bounds, and a lot of it is because of what they're doing through advocacy and then uh, through taking action. And what that looks like in the community level is we we really see YPR um, as that missing link in the community. Isn't here to replace anything because as I said before the break, there's a lot of really great programs out there. There's a lot of great recovery schools uh, overseen by the Association of Recovery Schools. There is over a hundred collegiate recovery programs that are overseen by Transforming Youth Recovery. And YPR and our chapters aren't here to say, you know, join our chapter uh instead of theirs or, or anything like that. We're really here to come along as another layer of support in that community. And so, what that support can look like is while we're the things that all of our different chapters advocate for, uh, our platform is for employment, housing, and education. Right. So, better opportunities for recovery-friendly employers, making sure that after uh, people who are in or seeking recovery are leaving treatment and getting on to the next step, that they have really adequate housing that they can go to next, and also seeking opportunities for uh, whether it's higher education, whether it's a two-year or four-year institution or a vocational school. Uh, All of our chapters are advocating for better access and resources to all three of those pieces, along with the fourth major one, which is all other recovery-related resources, which is a really big bucket of amazing ideas and programs, but this really helps us uh, to encapsulate and to further equip and advocate for things that are happening in communities um, all over the country. You know, I know even last year alone, we, uh, because of our great work from our chief policy officer and all of our hardworking chapter members, we were able to pass 36 different pieces of legislation, uh, around 35 or so, it's on our website specifically. Um, and in the meantime, while all this advocacy is happening, and not only are we um, advocating for all these better access to resources and more peer recovery support services, there are things that we advocate for on a national level like CARA, which is the Comprehensive Addiction Recovery Act, which is just a a terrific amount of work that's really led by one of our board members, Carol McDade, and she's just a, a talk about a prolific leader that does amazing work of really making sure that CARA exists and is essentially, for comparison's sake, comparable to the ADA or the American Disabilities Act. So all of these things are happening on a daily basis, and uh, furthermore, the action piece quickly is while we're advocating for all of these things to change on a national and state level, is our chapter... So you're meaning uh, advocating with
0: the legislatures and getting laws passed and stuff, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So
2: So we're doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And on top of that, uh, our chapters, while we're advocating for those things to change, we also said we're going to go ahead and step in and provide these services in the meantime. So we're going to have workshops on how we can help more young people get jobs as they're leaving treatment, know how they can go and find the next place to live or go back to college. um, I'll I'll pause there because we also have many other programs that we work with. Um, But, you know, if that makes sense so far, those are some of the great things that our chapters do on a very daily basis.
0: Yeah, that's great. And tell us some more about, like, how, like, where do the chapters tend to be housed? The ones I'm aware of are on college campus i live in austin so i'm aware of the one on the ut campus but are they housed in other places besides uh campuses and how do people Absolutely. find them how do people find them mm-hmm.
2: so you can find them uh, you can just go to our website and all of our chapters are there's a huge map on our website that shows where all of our chapters are nationally some of our chapters uh do uh, work in collaboration with the collegiate recovery programs on college campuses Uh, A lot of our other chapters meet in the community. Uh, One of our chapters um, on the East Coast, they meet inside of a police station. (laughs) Some of them meet inside churches. Some of them meet uh, at a Starbucks or in a community space. Or um, one of our chapters works really closely with an amazing treatment center down in Texas called Starlight Recovery Center, uh, where we have the My Recovery is Epic program. And that chapter meets uh, at the treatment center right there in the Kerrville community to work with people right as they're getting ready to complete their treatment program. And so our chapters really look like all different shapes and sizes, but those things that I mentioned before, are those are the commonalities that tie them all together because communities also, I think we all know that communities can look very different. You know, Austin and Denver uh, and rural Greeley, Colorado, or Manhattan, all of them are very different. You know, San Diego, California, all of these communities are different, and our chapters are built around their specific community with that framework that our organization provides them. Mm-hmm.
0: Let me, okay. Let me ask you this: like, if you were, if let's say uh, that I knew somebody that was a young person, I knew they were in recovery, mm-hmm. you know, working their own recovery uh, pathway. Mm-hmm. What would I? How would I connect them up, or what would I do
2: oh, to, to get you them engaged? Can quite literally, uh, go to the website if you're not aware of us in your community already, and you can mm-hmm. if there's a YPR chapter in that community you can um, call that chapter and or email that chapter directly, as well as reach out to our national office led by myself and several other um, leaders at the national level who do this, you know, uh, 24-7, as it were. Uh, so it's just as simple, truly. We've to make it as simple as possible. We are an email, phone call, text. We get a lot of Facebook messages, too. You can find them mm-hmm. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All of those platforms, uh, people, mm-hmm. whether they're looking to get their loved one uh, treatment or they're getting ready to leave treatment and they need these different resources or they need a job. I mean, they can truly contact us directly and we go to work to help them.
0: That's great. Tell mm-hmm. us a, a success story, of course, while respecting a person's anonymity and privacy. But of
2: course.
0: Yeah. yeah. What are some yeah. stories?
2: Well, one of the success stories that always comes to mind is uh, we had a member uh, in one of our uh, Colorado chapters reach out and say... Uh, for you know X, Y, and Z reasons, uh, I, I have to leave my treatment center tonight, and I don't know where to go tomorrow. And I can't, you know, I can't. I don't know who to call. Uh, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to live. I want to continue my recovery journey, and I don't want to give up. I don't want to go back out. And uh, we got them in touch with our chapter leaders and members. And in less than 24 hours, they were placed uh, safely and securely in a very quality recovery housing program. And to this day, they are still. Uh, in their recovery journey and doing very, very well. They've gotten a job. and I mean, that's our goal, is that we mm-hmm. are supporting people's pathways. And that story uh, is here out of Colorado, and I can tell you that story happens all over the country.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's about people making those connections and, and really reaching yeah. out that helping hand. Yeah. 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 That's great. Tell us about the, the – what are some of the things that young people in recovery face that might be – unique, to that are, you know, different from somebody that's older?
2: I, I'd probably say hands down uh, one of the biggest things that young people face more than anything else would, would be stigma and culture that um, the bottom line, I don't know if I can say this on the air and maybe you'll believe it, but sober isn't sexy, right? Sober's not cool. Being sober, being in recovery, that's not something that, you know, culture tells us is a really fun, cool thing to do. And so A lot of people don't know how to talk about, yeah, like I don't, I, I, you know, if their recovery pathway is abstinence-based and they Mm -hmm. don't consume alcohol or other drugs, that isn't necessarily something that our culture looks at that person, especially if they're younger, and says, oh, that's a really cool thing. You know, you may be one of a handful of people on a college campus who don't do that, you know, and so we see that culture and stigma is very prevalent, that it's, uh, that there's a lot of shame when it comes mm-hmm. to looking at, you know, somebody's uh, recovery story and what it took to get them to recovery and maybe some different things while they were in active addiction. Uh, and we just see a lot of, we see a lot of barriers around people um, being nervous to step up and to step out, you know, much less be on a radio show and openly say, oh, yeah, I've been in recovery for years now, and I'm not embarrassed. It's actually uh, recovery is an asset, not a liability, you know.
0: Mhm. Right. Yeah. Um so so it's like what's it like uh, on a college campus for people that are part of YPR or some other uh recovery advocacy group? Do you, are there events or how do people mm-hmm. navigate yeah. that?
2: There uh so these are uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of what happens with it, chapters and uh recovery communities. Uh, a lot of social events, right? We we all mm-hmm. obviously want to keep living and having fun in life. So, um, anywhere from bowling parties to New Year's Eve parties to um, you know sober tailgates is a really big thing that we see um, on different campuses. Um, and again, uh, TYR is just prolific in that space. It's transforming youth recovery, um, but a lot of our chapters and uh, different entities like that social events are really key. Um, going to the movies, going to different recovery pathway events together. Uh, we had we had a national leadership conference here in Colorado, and we, we trained all of our chapter leaders uh, to continue to carry out their awesome chapter duties. But a lot of them uh, stayed after and went whitewater rafting, and went to the mountains, and went hiking, and so uh, they just really like doing life together uh, without uh, while supporting one another's recovery pathway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like a lot of it does, ha- which is normal. It's true for any age, but I can, again, understand it's more relevant, really, um, for young people, that social aspect or the peer aspect or who's, who's my tribe, who am I hanging out with, who am I going to have yeah. fun with?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's uh, the message going uh, kind of back to uniquely for young people, right? The, the unintended message that is perceived, and I know this from young people telling me, that, well, if I decide to get into recovery, my life is basically over. I'm Mm -hmm. signing up to never do anything fun for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. that's just not true. You know, my life is extraordinary today, and uh, I get to do all kinds of amazing and exciting things, um, some of which is directly because of my involvement with YPR, and some is because I'm just around to experience it, you know? That's right
0: right, you're, you're present and accounted for on a lot of levels yeah. <laughs> that you wouldn't have yeah, been.
2: you can do a lot of really cool things. I mean, I think, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, there's another organization that comes to mind. They're way cooler than I am for sure, uh, Phoenix Multisport. They go rock climbing and go events and yoga and working out and CrossFit and, and just, you know, really uh, live life to the fullest, you know. And we see a lot of our chapter members, uh, huge advocates for overall, just overall wellness. Uh, physicality, anything that is better in people's lives, uh, we're all for it, you know. so
0: Right. So that organization you just mentioned is a sober recreational organization? Is that what that is? Or yeah.
2: yeah. What's so the Phoenix name of it? Phoenix Multisport. They have Phoenix a Multisport. Hmm? Phoenix
0: Multisport, is that?
2: Correct. yeah okay. Phoenix Multisport. Okay. There's one in Denver. Uh, there's one on the East Coast, and there's one now in Orange County, California as well. Scott uh-huh. Road uh, is a phenomenal leader. He's one of the founders of Phoenix Multisport. Sport. Uh, was actually nominated for a CNN Hero Award. Um, great, mm-hmm. great, great leader. Mm-hmm. So, but Point there's of- uh, even. Go ahead.
0: No, you go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say uh, another one, especially in the in the world of fitness and overall wellness, uh, heroes in recovery. They do a lot of five k's and six k runs. I uh, actually literally got – I'm looking at an email from them in my inbox right now about a 6K that's coming up, and that was heroes in recovery. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of great stuff out there.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. The, um, I How are um, young people in recovery now uh, perceived – and, again, I'm speaking, I guess, both mm-hmm. of the organization and – you know, just young people in recovery, buying older people that are in recovery. I, you know, there there've been a lot of stories in the past <laughs> where sometimes there was a little grinching back and forth across generations, but uh, and not always either, because yeah. I think always there's also been the connection and appreciation. Um, do you what's that like today? I, the, yeah, the generational I I cross
2: yeah. interactions. Yeah. I mean- yeah. So I'm a big leadership guy. I'm a big fan of generational leadership. Uh, I have uh, multiple mentors today. You know, I, I really believe in uh, continuing to listen and, and to learn and then to lead out of that, right? That's uh, a, a kind of a mantra that I have. Um, and so with that being said, I try not to always do the never or always, but I would say uh, similar to many instances and examples, there's uh, we uh, there's a lot of different things that can happen. We have a lot of um, people of different age brackets really believe in us and think it's the greatest thing in the world, and and do anything and everything to support what we're doing. And uh, there are other people, of course, that think uh, you know we're growing too fast and maybe um, should slow down. And I mean, and all you know, my response to that is, I mean, you know, for years and years now, I know because even before YPR was real, multiple older generations and people that have created this movement that we are indebted to, right? We owe them um, so much for laying that foundation. They, for years, have continued to communicate that the future is in young people. Well, so now we're here, and now it's time to rock and roll. And we don't know everything, um, but we will work very, very hard and openly work with everybody in all age groups. That's why we have, as I said, YPR supporters, because we have people of all ages that support young people in recovery the organization and young people who are interseeking recovery, um, the individuals and communities, you know, Um, and I get a little worked up and excited, but, um, you know, again, it's a a push-pull relationship, right? We wouldn't be here without them. And now, uh, again, just like I think probably any movement, um, the people that have gone before us are, um, may raise an eyebrow once in a while, um, but... You know, for me if we're not raising eyebrows, we're not we're not making enough progress. So
0: That's great. It's time for our break here. Um my guest is Justin Luke Riley. He's the president, CEO and founding member of Young People in Recovery. And that's our topic. So stay with us, we'll be right back.
1: Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Our topic today is young people in recovery, getting recovery ready communities, creating recovery ready communities. And my guest is Justin Luke Riley. He's the president and CEO and a founding member of the organization Young People in Recovery. Justin is 27 years old. He's been in long term recovery for seven years. He's a natural leader and a gifted public speaker. He's, uh, engaged in lots of ways in service um, in support of recovery and we're just delighted to have him on today so Justin before the break you were telling us about um, that you know a lot of the great um, things that YPR does do y'all charge for this or their dues
2: no so that's one of our one of our favorite parts of YPR we wanted to make sure that we weren't accidentally creating another barrier for people to get help so, at no time whatsoever, to anyone in the community, is there any type of fee or due uh, to be a member or a chapter leader? Uh, we cover all those costs and uh, fund all of our chapters and their activities all around the country that's why we exist so
0: that's great yeah that's important important to know so um Tell us some more, uh, some more success stories. What's, what are some other things that people have experienced from being involved with YPR?
2: Uh, some, some of my favorite success stories um, really have to do with our platform, which is, to me, a win, that we're our platform of employment, housing, and education. That means that we're hitting our mark. Um, one, of, one of the things for me that is always so encouraging is uh, when we see our members graduate college, right, and I mm-hmm. you know we had a campaign last year where we featured all of the graduates from all of our different chapters and uh you know we must have had any you know anywhere from fifteen or twenty to, you know which to us is a huge deal right I mean sure. we are uh not yet uh we're not in the hundreds of thousands of people and making this huge difference every day, but we do know that that difference that we make when You know, we don't know, you know, who was in that uh, audience that day that saw that, knowing that that person was in recovery or seeing that on Facebook, knowing that people are out there recovering and they're making it and they're getting college degrees, they're uh, buying homes, they're getting jobs, they're uh, continuing to stay in long-term recovery. Uh, As simple as that may sound, but when people tell their story and they can put um, their name and their story to the recovery journey, That, I I can't tell you, even before YPR was a thing, I've had so many people reach out to me just because they knew I was in recovery. And so I I can never, ever underestimate or undervalue the power of when every single person that's a part of our organization uh, admits and supports that they believe in the recovery advocacy movement. You know, it's really Mm -hmm. exciting for us.
0: It is. I'm going to ask you an unanswerable question. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. good at that, I think, but... um, Is, do you think that, you know, just what you're saying now and what you were talking about before the break in terms of providing, you know, fun groups to do stuff with that's fun? Are you, do you think you're having an impact on, uh, the general culture of, uh, young people either on a college campus or young people that are out in the workforce, uh, when other people see you that maybe Aren't, don't need to be in recovery, but they're just, you know, part of the world out there. Do you think you're making a difference, changing any, or any perceptions are changing?
2: I think we are, and, you know, one specific story, uh, this was actually a couple of years ago at the University of California, Riverside, and uh, it actually wasn't even, it was a result of what we did, right? It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't just because we were there that it happened, and to me, this speaks to culture and what's happening overall, there was a group of individuals on that college campus who wanted to uh, abstain from abusing uh, different, you know, drugs and uh, like alcohol and other drugs, right? And they started this group called the Healing Highlanders. And this group of people actually wouldn't be a group that would characterize themselves as in recovery, but as there were indeed students who were in recovery on that campus saw this group start to form. There was the students who were in recovery that said, "Hey, like you know, whispering like, are you guys really in recovery?" And you're really mm-hmm. just trying to make yourself look good, right? But like you're not going to do mm-hmm. all this stuff and you're, you're going to school for school's sake. And they said, mm-hmm. no, it's just, you know, we're not, you know, we don't even know what you mean. Recovery from what, right? Mm-hmm. But there was this really cool kind of backward phenomena that I'm starting to see, not only in California but all over the country, that people are starting to just get it. That, oh, like mm-hmm. not abusing alcohol or other substances and um, just choosing to live a, a different lifestyle, I'm really seeing mm-hmm. that recovery is becoming really a lifestyle, as opposed to just a 30-day cycle. You know mm-hmm. that, um, and I think that I think that that is a direct result of our work because I can't tell you how many people that have come out from the shadows because of our trainings, because of our chapters, because of our leaders. Uh, and I also know that those people are coming out kind of regardless, also, which is very interesting to me. I never thought that that would occur that we had to wrangle in the supporters of people who just understood what we were doing so i think it's a really it really is and i'm i'm sure a lot of people probably say this about what they do but it really is a transformational time for the recovery movement right now and it's really exciting
0: that's great talk a little bit more about that what's why is this a transformational time for the recovery movement
2: I think a, a really recent example of why, the, why something is about to give way as it relates to, um, uh, you know, we look, in, we look at the history of movements, right? We look at, like, the, the breast cancer movement and how there was a time when, uh, it, you know, somebody you know, had breast cancer that it was somehow their fault and they had done something wrong, et cetera, et cetera, And now I live in a world where I watch NFL players run around in hot pink shoes Because Mm -hmm. they just support, you know, they support cancer and research and treatment and all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. what's starting to happen now is, uh, I don't know if you saw or or the listeners have either, but American Express uh, and AMEX Mm -hmm. actually just did this amazing commercial. It was on during the Oscars. And it was a commercial about a a woman who was in recovery, which is almost unheard of, right? And you can Mm -hmm. Google it and YouTube it and find it. Um, but mm-hmm. the really neat thing is we've actually invited them to our UNITE conference which is coming up in June, so that's really exciting. We're doing that with Transforming Youth Recovery and the Association of Recovery Schools. But um, so they, we contacted them and said, hey, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if this, um, you, know, you know, YPR versus American Express, we're a little bit smaller than them. <laughs> and yeah, so we reached it. out and said, hey, we would love to give you an award for the amazing transformational work that you are, you are making it culturally acceptable and exciting to be in recovery. And they got back to us uh, very, very quickly and said we would love to be a part of this. And so there are things that are happening with major players like American Express or uh, big foundations like the Hilton Foundation who recently gave us a grant also that there are some big powerhouses that are starting to say, you know what? We can no longer ignore that there are teenagers and high schoolers and people of all ages that are dying in this country for something that, that we can do more about whether it's treatment or recovery support services. So those are some of the things that I look at and say, you know what, the time is now, you know, like things are changing. So
0: that's right. And the uh, new director of the office, of, I don't get the whole thing right, but drug policy and so forth is yeah. a person in long-term so we, recovery. We were,
2: yeah, so Michael Botticelli, we've actually, yes. um, Young People in Recovery, we've worked very closely with it. Our organization is actually, uh, featured in one of the iterations of the National Drug Control Strategy, and, uh, Doug, our Chief Policy Officer, wrote that platform on employment, nice. housing, and education. So we work really closely with ONDCP on the nice. national level around advocacy, and we were, we, we tweeted like crazy when, when, uh, Director Botticelli was, uh, uh, officially, unanimously Ah, uh, became the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy.
0: Right. Yeah. That it. It really is. That's. It's incredible. It's exciting, and uh, so, so wonderful for recovery to be coming out from the shadows and and as you're yeah. saying to be seen as a a wonderful life, uh, pa- a life path. You know, and nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. Yeah. It's great. Well, tell us just a bit about re- the recovery. High schools and recovery college groups, how does that work, and how do people get in touch with those? Those aren't directly what so, you all do, right, but you're networking with them? or Tell us about
2: that. Correct. So we work really, really closely with them. So um, the Association of Recovery Schools, I actually mm-hmm. just talked to their executive director this morning. We, we connect uh, on a sometimes daily but usually weekly basis. Mm-hmm. They help oversee and coordinate and galvanize uh, what is now about 40 recovery schools across the country. So uh, Kristen Harper, who is their executive director of the Association of Recovery Schools, um, as I said, really supports these recovery high schools, some of which are independent freestanding schools, some of which are schools within a school, you know, and it's a, just a really exciting time, and um, that would be, you know, I don't know if I'm forcing new recommendations, but I would yeah, fully yeah, sure, recommend sure, yeah. reaching mm-hmm. out to her and interviewing her. She's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah,
2: and so uh, and then on the college side, um, they have a Transforming Youth Recovery. Transforming Youth Recovery is a, another phenomenal organization. Their executive director is uh, Ivana Grahovic, and she's uh, just a phenomenal thought leader. She's worked in Texas and um, done work, I believe, up in Michigan as well. But is now running and leading Transforming Youth Recovery. Uh, which is based out of California, and because of them and the Stacey Matheson Foundation, Stacey Matheson was one of the original funders for young people in recovery, uh, also funds the Association of Recovery Schools and also funds uh, the Transforming Youth Recovery. Together, they were able to uh, help create and cultivate over 100 collegiate recovery programs across across the country. And so... Without uh, without Stacey Matthewson, a lot of our organization, but Stacey funds um, stuff all over the country. She's phenomenal. Um, but Transforming Youth Recovery really works for the college campuses and um, YPR, TYR, and ARS. I know that's alphabet soup, but we, we talk that every single day, and we all work very closely together. Uh, as I said, we're throwing a conference in Pennsylvania coming up in June together. You can find out more about that on our social media platforms and website. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of integration. A lot of our chapters help fill out their asset map. So that's another great place for people listening. If they want to learn what is available in their local community, they can go to the Transforming Youth Recovery website, and they can look at their asset map, and that will help them see whatever what types of recovery assets, whether it's recovery support services or all recovery meetings, whatever that may be, they can find all of that information on their website at the Transforming Youth Recovery website. And, again, Ivana, Kristen, Stacy, they're all phenomenal.
0: That's great. So that, if just if you just did, is it just TransformingYouthRecovery.org, basically? You could find it or
2: pretty yeah, easily I'm find I'm quite it. sure. If you Googled that, that would come up. Yeah. And, uh, we also have them featured on our website um, as one of our key partners. So it's uh, certainly very, very easy to find, and they do great work.
0: Great. So if we, if anybody went to youngpeopleinrecovery.org, which is YPR's website, they could probably find some links and, or some roads Correct. into these other ones. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, our time is at an end, but, um, Justin, I want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing, that YPR is doing. It's exciting. This is an exciting time to be a person in recovery. So, wow. Thanks for being a big part of creating, um, just an expansion of good in this whole area. Thanks for being my guest today.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for the great opportunity and all that you do.
0: You're welcome. And thanks to all of you for listening. Have a wonderful week and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery.
1: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
4: Reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. Live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio.
0: Inspiration only takes a moment. Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard shares this from his book, Good Questions. We are here to learn, grow, experience, savor, exalt, cherish, create, and to use our connection with that mind to make safe decisions. We are here to share, to be fruitful, and to multiply the good over and over again. Centering on the divine within, we become still and realize that whatever happens, we are still one with God.
1: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
0: Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.